Uh, the, the title of part 12 is this, uh, Death, the End. <laughs> death, the End. So now we can all go home because this is the end of the series. This is the end. Death, the End. Uh, and because it's not very lighthearted today, uh, I got a good joke for you to open up with, okay? So this guy went to the doctor, his annual you know, checkup, and the next day the doctor called him and said, uh, your test results came in. I got bad news and I got really bad news. The guy's like, oh my goodness, well, what's the bad news? The doctor said, the bad news is your test results show uh, you only have 48 hours to live. The guy said, well, what's the really bad news? And the really bad news is I've been trying to call you since yesterday. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to death, do you know that death is the number one fear among human beings? If I were to poll every one of you in this room, I would find in your heart the greatest fear that you have and that you've ever had is the fear of death. Now, you're thinking, well, no, you know what? I fear snakes. No, you fear getting bit by a snake and dying. Well, I'm afraid of heights. No, 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 you're afraid of falling and dying. <laughs> well, I'm afraid of germs. No, you're afraid of getting sick and dying. Well, I'm afraid of women. I can't do anything about that, but anyway, so. <laughs> Just kidding. So let me tell you, Hebrews 2.14, Jesus himself became flesh and blood so that through his death, he might destroy the devil who had, past tense, the power over death. And in this way, set free those who, what are those last two words? Fear, fear death. death. If you are a believer, and I'm going to show you today, you have no reason to fear death at all in any way, shape, or form. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, those three days he was down in the pits of hell, he defeated Satan and he took the keys back to death, hell, and the grave. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you have nothing to worry about, nothing at all, okay? So I have four points for you today, and I hope we get to the fourth one. Point number one is this, the cause of death. What is the cause of death? If we can figure out the cause of death, maybe we can avoid death. The cause of death. So uh, there's something in theology called the law of first mention. And that's whenever you're studying the Bible, you're studying theology, the first time anything is ever talked about among human beings, among mankind. And the first time death is mentioned is, of course, in the book of Genesis. Um, death, die, or dead is in Genesis 60 times, 60 times uh, in the original translation. And the first time that word was ever spoken on planet Earth is in Genesis 2.17. The Lord God commanded, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that. <clears throat> For if you eat it, you will, what are those two words? Surely die. You'll surely die. Surely. Now, this is the first time they ever heard that word. They had no idea about that until God had said it. And they understood. They were very intelligent. You can't, I mean, you can't even imagine. Adam was so intelligent, he named every single animal. Because there was no sin in the world, so the IQ was just, there was no lust in his mind. There was no jealousy in his mind. His mind was, was, was working at its full potential. He was brilliant. So when God said death, he realized, he knew that means I'm separated from God forever. I'm separated from God. I cease to exist. I will die if I eat from this. And you're thinking, well, he didn't really die. He lived to be 900 years old. No, no, we're not talking about body. Your body's nothing. Your body's just a car. You change cars. You get a new car. Uh, when you're a believer, it's, it's your soul. Your soul's going to die, Adam. Now, here's what's interesting. Satan comes along in Genesis 3, 4, and he says this to the woman. You will not. What are those two words? Sure. The exact same thing God said, Satan says the opposite. The exact same thing God said will happen. Satan said it will not happen. So what is the cause of death? And you're going to think, well, sin, because sin, the wages of sin is death. Well, then what's the cause of sin? What's the cause of death? What's the cause of sin? Why did this happen? Here's why. I'm write this down. Unbelief. God said, believe what I say, 
and Satan said, believe what I say. And they had a decision, which one am I going to believe? Now, just so you know, that was Satan's first attack was to cast doubt on the word of God. Listen, that is still to this day his only attack. If Satan could kill you, you'd already be dead. You would already be dead if he could kill you. He can't kill you. The only thing, the only power Satan has in your life is the areas that you do not believe God in. That's it. That's all he's got. He's been doing it since, since 6,000 years ago. He's still doing it today. And he'll send Google. He'll send a professor from college. He'll send the wrong relationship. He'll send a television show, a song. He'll send anything he can to you to get you to disbelieve what God says about something. Because, listen, you do what you believe. You act based on what you believe. Now, this is really good news. And here's why this is good news. Because we should not focus on behavior as much as we do belief. In other words, you don't need to focus on, I will not look at porn. I will not look at porn. I'm going to stop looking at porn. I'm doing everything. Please, I just, I'm not going to look at another. No, no, no. That's, that's behavior. Forget behavior. You need to get in the Word of God and read every single scripture that it has about what you put in front of your eyes and what goes into your mind and how purity will bring success and prosperity in a relationship with God. And you keep getting inside you over and over. Then one day you'll actually believe it and then you'll walk in it because you do what you believe. If you're here today and you're not a faithful tither, it's not that you're a bad person. It's just you don't believe God. That's literally what it comes down to. You, if you really believed that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, you can't even stand and rebuke the devourer for your sake and protect your job and your business and your family and your home, of course you do it. And tithing takes, no, it doesn't take any faith. It just takes a little bit of wisdom because you spend 10% of your income at Starbucks every month. So, I mean, you can do something if you want to. So well, you do what you believe. If you're here today and you get offended easily and you hold on to, and you have unforgiveness in your heart when somebody hurts your feelings or whatever, you're not a bad person. You just don't believe what God says about forgiveness. You just don't believe it. And here's why you don't believe it. You don't have enough of it inside of you. This is why you should never miss church. This is why you should open up your word every single day. This is why you should get around other believers who encourage you and speak faith into you. Because what you get inside of you is what you're going to believe. And Satan has a way of sending himself, a demon, a teacher, a friend, somebody to say, you know what God says isn't true. You will not surely die. You can be in this relationship if it makes you happy. It, you will not surely die. And God says, no, if you do that, there's death. You're gonna, there's going to be death in your future if you go in this direction here. And then Satan comes along and says, you know what God said? It's not that true. It's not that true. Um, Joshua 1.8, meditate on God's word day and night, prosperity and success. So watch this. this is, God's not even saying do good. He's saying this, get my word inside of you because there's prosperity and success when you do this. So when you disagree or when you disbelieve the word, you're essentially disagreeing with prosperity and success. You're saying, I don't want prosperity. I don't want success. I want to do what I want to do because this will make me happy. Proverbs 4, 20, pay attention to what I say, God said. My word is life and health to all who find it. When you disagree with this, you're disagreeing with health and life. Again, you're not a bad person. You just don't believe. You say you're a believer, but you don't believe. So then how can you get to the point where you believe? If unbelief is the cause of death and sin, how do you believe? Well, Romans 10, 17, faith or belief comes by hearing the word of God. Let me say this. Fear comes by hearing the opposite of the word of God. Lust comes by hearing things that have to do with that. Hatred, racism comes with things that hearing have to do with that. Whatever you feed your spirit, whatever you feed your soul, whatever, you, whatever you're hearing determines what you believe. What you believe determines what you do. 
And if you're hearing things that go against what God says, you're going to disbelieve him, believe something else, and go in the wrong direction, and there'll be death. Am I making sense today at all? Okay. So whenever Adam and Eve did this, when they, when they, when they disbelieved God, Satan took dominion over planet Earth. And here's why. Listen real close. Because every single human being in the world at that time disbelieved God. So Satan took dominion of the whole world because every single human being on planet Earth in that moment disbelieved God. So he took and then sins passed through the blood. So it just kept on going and going from children to grandchildren and great grandchildren. And listen, Satan has dominion over every area of your life that you do not believe God's word. If there's any area in your life, any behavior, any area of your life in which you are going in the wrong direction in which you are have a bad addiction, in which you uh, your flesh is taken over, whatever it is. It's, it, again, I'm not trying to say you're bad. I'm just saying this. You just don't believe. That's an area of your life that Satan has dominion because you don't believe. So what do you do? You get in the Word and you keep feeding yourself because you will believe what you eat. You'll believe what you hear. You'll believe what you see. You with me? So the cause of death for your notes is unbelief. Okay, number two. What's the consequence of death? What is the consequence of sin? What is the consequence of death? What happened? Happened. What took place? What was the result? Genesis 3.22, the Lord said, the man will now know. Now here's the result. He'll now know good and evil. Listen real close. God never created us to live by what was good or evil. That is not how it's supposed to be. You know, people who live by what's right and wrong and good and bad and good and evil, that's called religion. And that does not get you to heaven because you can be as good as you want to be and you're not going to heaven. And there are people that do bad things and they do not go to hell. So you think in living by what's right and what's wrong is the, is the way it's supposed to be. It is not supposed to be. Before the fall, they were living, listen, by the voice of God, by a relationship with God. They walked and they talked with God until they disbelieved, sin entered the world. And now here's the result of sin and death. Now you're living by what's right and wrong. God never intended for them to live by that. The goal was to live by walking and talking with God. Is homosexuality right or wrong? Well, I don't know. It was wrong a few years ago. Now it's right. I don't know if it makes you happy. I don't know. Is this job, they're offering me more money, but I have to drive further from my house. Is that good or is that bad? I don't know. Let's wait out. Forget all that. Who cares right and wrong? Who cares good and bad? Does God say you should do it? Will it bring life or will it bring death? That's the question. Is this job the, a job that will bring life to my family? They may pay you an extra million dollars a year, but there might be somebody there that you're going to get involved with that's going to take you away from your marriage and bring death. So that's why you talk to the voice of God. Is this the job for me? Not is it right. Not is it good. Is this, what, is this relationship? Okay, relationship. Is this friendship? Is this something that God's leading me to do? Or is it something I'm just doing because I want to be happy? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it right? Is it wrong? No, what does God say? That is salvation. That's the essence of salvation. And I'm preaching this today because I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about many of you in this room that you spent your life trying to be good or you know, not be bad, be good. And that is not a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. Let me hear your voice today. Yeah. Let me open up your word and see what you have for me. Where is life? Okay, so there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Stay with me. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then there was another tree in the garden. What was the other tree in the garden called? The tree of what? Life. Of life. Okay. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat from it, you will surely what? Die. 
Let's call that tree the tree of death, shall we? Can we call it the tree of death? Because if you, if you eat from it, even though it's the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat from it, you'll die. So let's call that the tree of death, and let's call the other tree what it is, the tree of life. You know that's supposed to be what, how we live? Which one will bring life, and which one will bring death? Which one does God say do, because everything God says brings life, what does God say not to do? Because that's going to bring death. In fact, God reiterated this in Deuteronomy 30, 19. He said, I've set before you. He didn't say right and wrong. He didn't say good and bad. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your children and your grandchildren and great-grandchildren will live. This is, how, this is a relationship with Jesus is this. What will bring life? That, the, the, the cause of death is, is disbelief. The consequence was now we live by what's right and wrong rather than the voice of God. Are you with me still? Okay, because it's going to get good. You, you understand everything I'm saying so far? Yes. You wouldn't tell me if you didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. Number three is this, the cure to death. The cure. What is the cure to death? And you know, I know because it's not lighthearted, let me just read you something else. There was a cemetery, there is a cemetery in Indiana right now and there's a tombstone with a, a 100-year-old epitaph, probably over 100 years old. And um, the epitaph says this. It says, Paul's stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. Well, a passerby came through a few years ago and didn't really like the epitaph. So on the other side of the tombstone, he took a rock and he carved this. To follow you, I'm not content. Until I know which way you went. <laughs> okay, so the cure to death. Okay. Um, I thought it was funny. Anyway, the cure to death is this. Not listening to my jokes. That's the cure to death. Uh, the cure to death is, okay. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I think, I want, I feel. I think, I want, I feel. Okay, that's, that's your personality. That's how you're going to know each other in heaven. You will not know each other in heaven by what you look like because you get a different body. So if you ever wondered, you know, how am I going to know my, it, there's a knowing. And we read, when we talk, when we read about heaven, um, whenever, um, was it Peter who saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, he knew that was Moses and Elijah. He just knew it by personality, by soul, okay, not by looks. Because he'd never seen them before and there was no pictures of them, but he knew there's a knowing. Um, so so you, you, you have a soul, you are a spirit, and you live in a body, okay, you live in a body. So I want you to think about your body. There's two ways. You can think about like clothing, right? This, is, this suit is not me. And when I get home, I'm taking this thing off and I'm, I'm putting on a different pair of clothes, okay? You can think about it like that if you're a believer. Um, another way would be like a car. If, you, um, if you're driving your car and, and all of a sudden the gas runs out and the engine blows and the oil messes up and the batteries, whatever, and, and you, you say, what's wrong with your car? Well, my car is dead. Is it dead? Is it dead because it's still there? When we talk about death, we think, you know, it disintegrates or it's gone or it's no, no, your car is still there. The shell of it's there. You still see it. It, it just doesn't have what it needs inside of it to run or to move. You, you stay with me? So that's like your body. And, you know, when we think about it, it imagine, you know, your car, you know, poops out on you and it blows up. And you're oh, my goodness, my car. And all of a sudden, somebody pulls up next to you with a, you know, million-dollar Ferrari or whatever your dream car is. And they say, I paid the insurance for a lifetime. And here's a card. You get free gas the rest of your life. Here's your new car. Would you be upset that your old car, you know, could put it on you? No, no you wouldn't be upset. You're like, give me that new car. That's what I want. So that's what it's like for a believer. So I want you to keep in mind when we talk about death, 
even in our American dialect, when we say, you know, they died, we, we kind of think about the body. We, but the body's still there. It's still there. It didn't disintegrate. You know, it's soon it'll get to dust at some point, but it's still there. Really, their soul has moved is really what happens, right? So I want you to kind of picture that as we talk about this. John 3, 16, for God. So, and, and if you're saved, the spirit of God is what takes your soul to heaven. But if you're not saved because you're born, it, the default of us is hell because we're born into sin. Then there's nothing to take your soul to heaven and it automatically goes to hell. So, so stay with me. So first John, so John 3, 16, the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever, and what is that gigantic word with the start of the letter B? What does it say? Believe. Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you believe in him, you won't die. You won't die. You won't perish. You won't cease to exist. You won't, you won't be separated from God. You won't die. Now, um, I want to think about this. Everything you do is based on what you believe. We talked about that earlier, right? If you believe um, that um, hard work pays off, you work hard. If you believe um, that even though you want to cuss your boss out, you want to do it, but you believe if you cuss your boss out, you'll get fired, so you don't do it. Because you believe that that will not bring good things to your life. You understand? <clears throat> but for some reason, <clears throat> in America, when it comes to Christians, um, we, we know this. We know you do what you believe, yeah. But when it comes to being a Christian and we say we believe, that's like the one area of life we don't do. If you go to any other country in the world and you say, are you a believer? You, can, you don't even have to ask. You can look at their life and know they're a believer. You can see the way they live their life. You can see how much they love their church. You can see how much they serve God and they live for others and they build the kingdom because they really believe what God, they really believe in him. They really believe. But in America, we say I'm a believer and then on Sundays we believe and <clears throat> Monday through Saturday we live like the devil. We do, and it's like, where do, our, do we even have a conscience? And we look at things we shouldn't, and we treat people the way we shouldn't, and, and, and there's no repentance. And I, I, listen, we all fall, but if you're a believer and you fall, you say, God, forgive me and help me change. Amen. It's not like, oh, well, that's just how I'm living. That's just who I am. And, 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 and you know what we do? We think we can manipulate God. We think we can manipulate his word because we don't believe the word. And we think even though the word says this, he'll forgive me. He'll let it go. And I'll be happy. And I'll see if it'll work out and blah, 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 and all these other things. We try to manipulate the very word of God because we don't believe. So when you teach your children, <clears throat> when you raise your children, when you're trying to teach them to obey, in essence, what you're really doing is you're trying to teach them to believe what you say is true. That is the goal of parenting, for them to believe what you say is true so that they get older and they believe what their heavenly father says is true. If you tell your child um, um, you get one piece of candy and no more and they cry and throw a fit and you give them another one, here's what they think. I can manipulate you. And if I can manipulate you, they grow up and think, <clears throat> I can manipulate God. Because if I just cry enough, or if I just whine enough, or if I just do my way enough, um, he'll give in. He'll change his word. He, he, what he says isn't truth, but I, I, can, I can change truth. No, no, that's why you got to teach your children what you say is the truth, and that's final. <clears throat> because you want them to believe what you say. Let's say your child's across the street, and they're about to run across the street to you. They want you. They want to hug you. They want to be with their mom or their dad. And, and you see a car's coming. But they can't see that because there's a parked car in front of them. So you say this, you say, stop, stop. 
Because you want them to believe what you say because you see something they don't see. You know something they don't know. You can almost see into the future what will happen if they don't stop. You're not trying to stop them from doing something happy and being loved and making them happy and smile. You're trying to stop them from death. Your heavenly father sees things you don't see. He knows things you don't know. He can see the future. When he says stop, he's not saying don't have fun and don't be happy. He's saying you're going to die. This area of your life will be separated from me. This could actually cause you to go to hell. You might not be a believer if you don't believe when he says stop, you stop. And you might still go, but you know you're wrong and you repent and say, God, forgive me. I should have stopped. Because he sees that death is not believing your father. That's what death is. You don't believe your dad. And it brings death. So when, 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 when you tell your child, don't touch this hot stove. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. It'll bring. It'll hurt. It'll hurt. It'll hurt. And they think this. It doesn't look hot. All my friends are touching it. Um, I saw on the internet other people touch the stove, and it looked fun for them. And you know, um, society. My, my favorite singer at the Grammys. Uh, she touches the hot stove. And my professor at college. He told me it's okay to touch the hot stove. So I'm going to touch the hot stove. And you want them to believe. Do you want your children to learn based on experience or belief? Think about it. Do you want your children to learn that drinking and driving will kill? Do you want them to learn that by experience? Or do you want to learn that because they believe what you say? Believe. Do you want them to learn about relationships that are healthy and relationships that are unhealthy based on what your heavenly father says and what the parents say? Or do you want them to learn from experience? Belief, right? Oh, let me ask this one. Do you want your children to learn about hell from experience? Or do you want them to learn about hell because they believe what God's word says? Believe. Don't you know God wants the same thing for you? <laughs> he doesn't want you learning by experience that that relationship will bring death, that that direction of life will bring death, poverty, destruction, failure. He doesn't want you to learn by experience. Now, some of us do. He wants us to learn by belief. Are you with me? Everybody's good, right? So um, I touched on this last Sunday about the age of accountability, and I wanted to explain it because I want to make sure everybody in here is safe before we leave today. Um, there's, there's not an age of accountability mentioned in the Bible. A lot of theologians believe that it's whenever a child knows right from wrong. But I don't believe that personally because a four-year-old knows right from wrong, and if a four-year-old dies, they don't, they don't go to hell. So uh, what is the age of accountability? I'm going to show you a scripture um, that a lot of theologians get a number from. I don't believe that's right, and I'll tell you what I believe in a second. But it starts off in Deuteronomy 139. Remember, I told you last week, the Israelites, they, they left slavery, and they're at the promised land. And God says, go in and fight. I'll give you the victory. And they say, uh, we're afraid. We're not going to go. Remember I told you that last week? In essence, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. God said, go in and fight. I'll give you the victory. We don't believe you. It looks scary. Our feelings don't line up with what you say. Our emotions tell us, no, we're not going to do it. So we disbelieve, and God said, you all died. Deuteronomy 139, your children who have, well, watch this, this amazing wording that God says, no knowledge of good and evil. They'll go to the promised land. They'll make it into Canaan. I'll give it to them. It, how can God say, hey, your kids, the ones that don't know right from wrong, 
oh, they're going to get the promised land. How can God say that? Here's why. The parents were raised in Egypt. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt. All they knew was right and wrong. It's wrong that you're beating me. It's wrong that I'm hurting. It's wrong you're treating me this way. That's how they live their mindset. So they get to the promised land and God says, go in and fight. No, nah, that's not right. That's going to cause us pain. We don't want pain. We're going to leave and go away. And God says, your children that were raised in the wilderness, you didn't raise them on right and wrong. It was like, it's almost like if our church, if we were just one big family and we lived every day together, that's how they lived. It wasn't like there was a Walmart. It wasn't like there was any enemies. They were all Israelites. And here's what they learned by God says his life and what he says don't do is death. And so when the children got in their 40s and 50s and they got to the promised land, the exact same thing. God says, go in and fight it. I'll give you the victory. And here's what they thought. Well, if God says it, that's life. Not right or wrong. If God says it, then we better do it. Because we know what God says brings life, and they made it into their promise. Isn't that an amazing scripture? I love that. They don't know right from wrong, but they do know this. What God says is life, and what he says is don't do is death. Now, here's where they get the number, because God's talking to the parents now in Numbers 14, 29. All of you who murmured against me from 20 years old and upward, you're going to die. Now, that's where a lot of theologians get the age of accountability, but I don't believe this is true because, first of all, uh, girls mature faster than boys. And us boys, we never catch up to y'all, by the way. Never. No matter how, you know, y'all keep getting smart and we try to get to you and we never catch up. But anyway, and so I don't think it's 20 years old. Here's what I think with all my heart is this. I think the age of accountability or adulthood or maturity is this. is whenever you're old enough or mature enough to recognize that there's evil in the world. And you are able to make a decision. Am I going to follow evil or am I going to follow Jesus? And if you don't make a decision, that's a decision. And so what does it look like for somebody who doesn't follow Jesus? What does it look like for somebody who's just a Sunday morning Christian? What does it look like for somebody that, that, that has death and they don't even realize it? Well, 1 John 3 says this, whoever continues to sin or practices sin. And was this just part of your lifestyle and you think, no big deal. There's no big deal. I do this. It's just how it is. I just want to be happy. Belongs to the devil. No one who is born again, watch this, habitually practices sin habitually practices. This is my practice life. This is how I live my life. Because he who was born of God longs to please God. Now, if you're saved, you know what it's like to have a desire. Every single day, you actually want to please God. You might not always do it, but there's a desire on the inside. Children of God and children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not seek God's will or desires or wants, that's what the word will means, is wants, does not seek to do what he wants you to do in thought, and that's where most of us might miss it, in action and purpose is not of God. Now, if there's anybody you know today, anyone you love, any relative, any child, any parent, any, any boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, if there's anyone you know and you love, and they do not have a desire to please God every single day, you need to tell them goodbye when you see them, because you'll never see them again. The, the reason you know you're safe is because God changes your heart. And you don't desire to build your own kingdom. Sometimes your flesh gets in the way and you do it, but you end up, you say, man, I can't believe it. Lord, forgive me. And you go back, God, I need you to help me in this area. Cleanse my heart. I don't want to live this way. I want to live for you. And it's not about your, your kingdom. It's not about your wants. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've surrendered your will. And let me say this. This is why you send your kids to nursery and children's church. Now, some kids are mature enough and they like hearing me preach. They can understand what I'm saying. But if there's a child that doesn't understand this and they can't pay attention at all, what you're teaching them is that their feelings matter more than what God wants. And they'll grow up and they won't surrender their will to Jesus because you won't even get them to surrender their will to you. 
If your child can manipulate you, if your child whines and they get their way when they cry, here's what they're thinking, I'm in charge of my life. And then you want them to grow up and you want them to give that charge to Jesus? They won't even, you haven't even raised them to give it to you. If there's ever a location on planet Earth you want to associate your children with, what you want does not matter, it's in church. You want them to see God as, you know, I'll validate your emotions. I know you want to be with mommy and daddy. I know you don't like going to children's church, but you're going no matter what. And you can either scream for 45 minutes or you can have fun with all the rest of the kids, but you're not going to get your way in this place. You're not in charge of mommy and daddy. You're not in charge of the church. We do what's best for the entire family in this place. You don't get your way. You will submit your will whether you like it or not. And when you do that, when they get to a certain age, they realize, you know what? I'll submit my will to Jesus. Because he's even a better parent than my parents. He loves me even more than my family does. So if I can submit my will to my mom and dad, I'll definitely submit my will to Jesus one day. That's some good sermon. That's a good place to say amen. I'm going to say amen, John Paul. Thank you. That was great. I think so too. Okay. So let me show you some more scriptures. Um, Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man or mankind to die once. Why does it say once? Why doesn't it say every person has to die, Period. Why does it say every one of us have to die at least one time? It's almost like it's implying you can die twice. What would, it, what would you think if I showed you in the Bible that some people can die twice? Revelation 21.8, but the unbelieving, <clears throat> there we go, uh, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, that's crystal balls, black magic, Ouija boards, uh, tarot cards, um, uh, what's the thing, your birthday month, what are those things called? astrology, whatever it does, all that kind of stuff, okay? <clears throat> because you're looking at someone else for your destiny rather than God. Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, ready? Which is the second death. Now, it sucks to die once. I don't know if I want to die twice. <laughs> so how do we get out of this second death? I don't want to die twice. Well, watch this. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 6, blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. Yeah. So wait a minute. I can die once and never have to die again? Well, let's do that then. Romans 8, 13. If you live after the flesh, you'll die. <clears throat> but if you live by the spirit, you are habitually putting to death the desires of the body. You will live. Guess what? You can die today and never have to die again. You can kill your flesh today and surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you'll never have to die again. You'll just switch bodies one day. You'll just move to heaven just like that. If you die today. Now, if you don't die today, I don't know what's going to happen. So don't think that your life is going to be like, you know, Tony Stark, I am Iron Man. He snaps his fingers and there's a two minute monologue before he dies <laughs> in the movies. That does not happen in real life. So if you're in here and you think, you know what, I'm going to live like the devil until I get that last two minutes. Then I'm going to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and take me to heaven because I love you so much. That's not how life works. You don't know when your time is coming. That's right. Galatians 5.24 says, uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus, here's what they've done. They've already died. They're already dead. They've crucified the flesh and its desires. So anybody you know that has already died to self. And they've already said, I do not belong to me anymore. I don't want to be in charge of my life. When I'm in charge of my life, bad things happen. When I'm in charge of my life, death occurs. I suck. I'm no good. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a wretched sinner. There's nothing good inside of me. Even my best ideas are crap. Nothing. 
Nothing. My good deeds are like filthy rags. So I'm going to die today because I don't want to live anymore unless I live through Christ. So I'm giving this to Jesus. It's you. It's all you. I know I'm going to mess up, but I long to please you. I know I'm going to fall, but I know you're going to pick me back up again. And every day is going to get better and better. And every year is going to be better and better because I don't belong to me anymore. You do that today, you'll never have to die again, ever. And you know, statistically speaking, and we're not bound by statistics. We serve a mighty God, but I want to share something with you. Statistically speaking, if you don't surrender your life and will to Jesus Christ today after hearing what I've already taught you, you never will. Because a lot of you in this room, you're thinking, one day I will. You're thinking, once I get over this hurdle, I will. Once we work this out, I will. Uh, once, you know, one day I'm going to completely surrender my life. Not just on Sunday mornings, but everything. I might not know the word, but I believe it's true. I might not know everything about God, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to figure it out. Because I love you, and I'm, I know I'm no good without you. And, 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 and statistically speaking, if you don't do that today, or if you haven't done it today after hearing this, in all honesty, statistically, you never will. And you'll be in hell for all of eternity. Because we all have the thought one day. We've all had that thought. Because I know I have. And y'all think a lot like me, I think. <laughs> I've had the thought one day, one day. Well, guess what? You better do it today. Number four, and I won't have time for all of this, but we'll, we'll look at a little bit of it. Number four is the end of death. After what I'm about to show you, you'll never have a chance to die. So if you don't, you better make, because listen, um, you, need to, you need to die to yourself today. Because you, whether you get hit by a bus or have a heart attack or whatever, you know what could happen? Jesus could come back. Amen. And when Jesus comes back, there's no chance. When you hear that trumpet sound, it's not like you don't get a monologue after that. You don't get a little bit of dialogue. After I hear the trumpet, before that, no ends. I'm like, Lord, forgive me, I'm going please take it to heaven. Woo! <laughs> It's not, no, it's not like Satchua, what's his name, Louis Armstrong. It's not like Louis Armstrong, you know, playing a whole line. It's just one little toot, and then you're done, right? I don't know what it's going to sound like, but I know everybody's going to hear it. I know that. Matthew 24, 3 through 10, when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives, his disciples said, What will be the sign of your second coming and the end of the age? What will be the, will be the sign of the end, the very end, the very end? Jesus said, Well, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. And they'll mislead many. Are there are a lot of people that do that. You will continually have wars and rumor of wars. Are we experiencing that right now? Yes. But <clears throat> that is not yet the end. Okay. For a nation will rise against nation. Is that happening now? Yes. And there will be famines and earthquakes, tsunamis. We see that, right? Yes. But all these things are merely the beginning of intolerable anguish. Then they will hand you over to tribulation. You'll be hated by all nations. Do, do most nations hate Christians? Oh, yes. At that time, many will be offended by their association with me and will follow me. Do you know that in America, churches are dying every year more and more and more? And it, 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 if you look at the numbers, if things don't change, okay, if things don't change, in the next 10 to 15 years, there won't be hardly any churches at all in America. They're dying. I mean, they're closing doors. So before I continue, um, almost every generation since this was written thinks that Jesus is coming back in their time, right? In fact, in the past 150 years, uh, we think that we figured out who the Antichrist is, by the way. Uh, first it was Mussolini. Then it was Adolf Hitler. Then we thought it was um, Henry Kissinger, I think, when I was a kid. That was Henry Kissinger. Now I hear it's Elon Musk. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> 
That's what I hear. I don't know, but we all think we know. Okay, here, let's keep going. Verse 11, false prophets will mislead many. Lawlessness will increase. Oh, Lord has it. And the love of people will grow cold. But the one who endures, what does it say? To the end will be saved. Verse 14, now here's what needs to happen. You ready? Here's what you need to focus on when you talk about the end times. The gospel will be preached throughout the whole world to all nations. And then the end. Will come. Here's what it's saying: is this? It's saying, who cares about rumors, wars, this happens? Here's what your job is. Your job is to not fight about pre-trip, most trip, mid-trip. Your job is this: preach the gospel. Your job is to do what I did with you today: preach the gospel. That's your job. And you can actually speed up the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, real quick, um, uh, everybody thinks they know when the world's going to end. I'm part of these Facebook, you know, groups and all these theological things and everybody's saying it's going to end in 2027 and Jesus is coming back on you know October the 2nd or da 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 I have a book in my library on 88 reasons why the Lord is coming back in 1988 <laughs> and that author made a million dollars do you know at the end of that year he wrote another book 89 reasons why the Lord's coming back in 1989 and Christians actually bought that book I couldn't believe it the truth is, if anybody figures out the date of the second coming of Jesus, Jesus will change it. Just so you know, if they figure it out, he said, oh, i got to change it again. Here's why Mark 13, 32, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, only God himself knows. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it'll happen suddenly, quicker than the blink of an eye. You could go just like now, whether you go because your heart stops beating or whether you, as Jesus came back, you better go ahead and die today. I don't have time to do it, but I'll put on the screen the 10 irrefutable facts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I have 10 scriptures I want to read to you. I don't have time, but I'm going to read the last one, which is 2 Peter 3.10, if you can take me to that one. 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear. The elements shall melt with heat. The earth will be destroyed. Knowing this, you ought to live holy lives as you look forward to and hasten the coming of the day of God. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells and there'll never be death ever again. Now, I put the Greek word for the word hastening because I want you to see it. Um, in Greek, the word is uh, spuedo. Now, I just want to say real quick, the word is not speedo, okay? <laughs> The, the, the word of God does not condone men in Myrtle Beach wearing Speedos, okay? So if you see this, it, it, in fact, one translation says men should never wear Speedos. That's what one translation says, okay? If Jesus is coming back, you better not be in a Speedo, men. He won't come for you. He won't take you. He'll just leave you down. You won't go in the air. You'll just stay right there. Here's what it does mean. It does mean this. It means you can actually cause the day of the Lord to happen sooner. Whatever date Jesus has set, God has set right now, you can actually make that date come soon. Here's how. By preaching the gospel. By preaching the gospel. You can actually make it come sooner. It doesn't matter when, what time. It matters this. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming back. And I hope that he's coming back for you. Amen. Okay.